Well, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Let's Open the Bible. It's Russ and Gavin coming to you on this Wednesday. Marhaban. Hello. Marhaban. As far as we know, that'll yeah. that'll suffice. What is that? That is, uh, according to our in- intel, <laughs> that is either hi or hello in the United Arab Emirates. So, so that's a, a probably a, a really poor uh, sounding. Uh, attempt at a hello, attempt at yeah, yeah, yeah. A hello in Arabic. Marhaban, yeah. Marhaban. Yeah, there were a lot of choices there. That that seemed to be the the better choice, the easier one for us to pronounce. Absolutely. So hello or Marhaban, depending on where you are in the world. Right. Welcome to the podcast. We're glad you're here on this Wednesday. It's all downhill this week from here. <laughs> Have you ever wondered, is this as good as it gets? <laughs> More encouraging thoughts. Uh, oh, my goodness. Well, today, listener, if you are still with us, and I guess if you're not, you won't hear this, uh, but we're going to be in Acts chapter 6, and uh, I'm going to ask Gavin to read verses 1 through 7, and I'm going to open us up with a word of prayer. By the way, how are you today? Uh, I'm doing okay. Always juggling stuff. And I love this. God God puts those things in our lives, according to Hebrews 12, to, to grow us in godliness, that we may share the, the peaceable fruit of righteousness if we're trained by the things that are happening in our lives, um, and, uh, and, and to teach us dependence, uh, that we would learn to trust not in ourselves, but in God. Um, and so that would be 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And, uh, and I'm learning a lot. I'm learning a lot of that uh, lately. So, well, congratulations! Yeah, it's about well, time you got something. I, I hate to say this. I often sit back and say, you know, I, I think we are to be malleable and teachable. Uh, a man who trusts in his own mind is a fool. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But a wise man listens to instruction or advice. And so, uh, I, I often ask myself, who could tell me anything, right? And that's I say that to my shame. That's not something I'm boasting in, and uh, because because we think we're right. I mean, you and I have talked a lot about that theme. Yeah. Everybody thinks they're right. Well, I am right. Right, of course. And I just think I'm right. But right. Uh, <laughs> but then we talk about judges. You know, what, what do you always say about the, the very end of judges? Yeah, uh, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Right. There was no king in the land. And that's how we settled on uh, Acts chapter 6. We were doing what was right in our own eyes, which was going to God's word. Well, that's right. That That is the right. You know, that we... Trust in the Lord with all our hearts and lean not on your own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. So that is the right way of doing things. Which, Go ahead. Which of those three, the trust, the leaning, or acknowledging is harder for you? Now or, or, or initially? Generally. So so before, I really struggled with lean not on your own understanding. I, yeah. Because I, I, I was, and I'm, I'm going to say this where people cringe. I mean, my wife would cringe to hear me say this. But I knew I wasn't perfect, and I knew I had blind spots, but nobody knew where they were because I really was right. You know what I'm saying? And then and then you go, okay, but people don't think through these things like they ought, or they arrive where I, I do. And you know that we've done that that kid snippets math thing where I just say, you know, think about it. like, And I, and I do that jokingly now as if if you think about it a little more, you'll arrive where I arrive. And I jokingly do that. But uh, but there was a time when I I think at least subconsciously I thought that I had thought things through pretty well and you know I don't want to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine I don't want to be malleable to the point that I don't take a stand on God's word but but I really did struggle with with trusting in myself um, 
but now it would have to be in all your ways acknowledge him. It's not, you know, I trust God. I don't lean on my own, own ways most often, but in all in all your ways acknowledge him. Uh, I, I find myself doing a lot of things not to the glory of God, mm. which it, you know, just to my shame. Right. Yeah. I'm still I'm still struggling with the uh, leaning not on my own understanding, and and the more the more I learn and grow, the more I realize that I have done that really poorly. Well, you know, what I love is in light especially of the Hebrews 12 passage that I alluded to, uh, suffering. All suffering seems painful rather than pleasant. You know, so, so God will pick you up at times and body slam you for the sake of, of your soul, for your good, and he, and he will teach you. You know, again, that's both of those passages. The, the, the suffering and affliction that Paul faced in Asia, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, that was to teach him not to rely on himself. So a lot of times God says, okay, if you're going to rely on yourself, I will put you through a blessed and beautiful and good and very unpleasant season of suffering, um, you know, to, to build that endurance. And more than this, we we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance character, character hope, and that hope doesn't put us to shame. I, I can vaguely recall never hearing a wrestling reference with regard to God, yeah. other than, you know, um, welcome to North Carolina. Yeah, wrestling. I think I, I feel finally for the first time ever, I'm at home. <laughs> <laughs> Having been born in England, moved to Ohio, then to Virginia, then to Pennsylvania. The South has rubbed off on you. Oh, yes. Yes. Are you, are you also a Dale Earnhardt fan? Which one? Senior or junior? <laughs> Junior's a poser. Senior, yeah. No, I don't know enough about NASCAR. You know what they – I kept hearing the coach yell, turn left. And the coach then a little bit later, turn left. And then – the coach was, come on, turn left. Is that is that NASCAR? <laughs> I think we better go to prayer. All right. Hey, this next race, guess what we're going to do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can you imagine the team huddle? <laughs> All right, guys. Listen, last week we went straight and ended up in a wall. Let's turn left. <laughs> <laughs> and hammer down. <laughs> Rubbing is racing. <laughs> oh, good gracious. Well, Unfortunately, that is the extent of my NASCAR knowledge. Is uh, Days of Thunder? I, I think it's time to go to prayr. I think. I think. Oh, we've earned it. Yeah, we're, yes. we're at that point. Let's do that, uh, Lord. We thank you for the gift of laughter, and and Father, uh, it is certainly a, a pleasurable thing to be able to laugh, uh, but uh, more so just to be able to be in your presence, in your Word, and to be able to communicate uh, through prayer. And so, Lord, we thank you for your love and grace that we don't deserve. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to open our Bibles and to be able to just share thoughts and ideas, to, to share truths from your word, to be able to uh, kind of kid around like this as we have already today. Uh, Lord, as we, as we do talk about your word here today from Acts chapter 6, as always, Lord, I pray that you would just guide us in your truth and that this uh, time that we spend doing this would be encouraging and edifying both for us and, and for the listeners, that you would be glorified ultimately. Lord, uh, we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Acts 6, uh, verse 1. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among yourselves seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. 
And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Procurus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. Wasn't it Timon that was... Uh, I know where this is going to no. No. He wasn't no. a partner of Pumbaa? No, no, no. No, I knew that's where it was going. Uh, or, or was it Michael? No, it was Procurus. That's who, and, and Parmenas. Okay. Those are, he was partners, yes. Okay. I thought maybe it was Michael's brother. <laughs> that's Tito. Oh, my word. Let's open the Bible and be reverent. All right, here we go. Come on. Tomorrow. Where do you want to start? Well, I think it's always best to start at the beginning. Uh, we say that all the time. It's a very good place to start. All right. So, um, now, there- so your understanding, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Well, I guess I did. Your understanding is this is not necessarily with regards to deacons. Is that right? I think a majority of commentators would say that this is not necessarily the establishment of the office of the diaconate. Okay. Um, I, I'm not sure that I, I, I really make that a hard stand. Uh, you know, I, I, I use it often to discuss the, the office the official position of deacon, uh, but but a, a lot of people don't. Okay. So I, I don't I don't know the real. Somebody would have to walk me through that. What is the benefit of saying this is not the establishment of the diaconate? It, it just seems obvious to me because they're they're calling out those that would be servants because they were devoting themselves. The disciples were devoting themselves to the ministry of the word. Right. The fact that they use the word servants here, the word that's being translated as servants, which is Deacon, yep. deacon, uh, and and you know the the purpose was to meet the needs uh, to be to distribute uh, the daily supply of uh, presumably of food um, would uh, would fall under the category of of the diaconate. And, yeah, so the 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 serve is diaconeo. Yeah, and so, then, and then the tables there. You know, I was wondering if that was a different word because the implication for deacon is a table server, right? A wait, waiter yeah. is kind of what what the deacon word itself. It means servant, serve someone who serves. But uh, but I've I've often heard it said that it, it really kind of specifically implies a, a table waiter. But here, um, the trapeza is the is the table. Which so I think a table or stool. So they they they're table servers. I think sometimes we hear that and we we think this is an unimportant task but the to be called to the task of servanthood is actually a high calling jesus said he he came to serve and not be served i think that's an important and a high calling in many ways that's your and my calling as ministers of the gospels we're, we're serving and shepherding and uh, but i am curious um uh, about how you guys and we'll get into the text but how you guys arrive at uh, your deacons and and do you guys rotate every year? Deacons off, deacons on. Yeah, that doesn't. Yes, and and uh, I, I I can you can tell us how you do it. That for me, that's not necessary, important, or biblical. But but how you choose, I, I think there is one part of that uh, that if you believe this is the establishment of the diaconate, right, the office of deacon, then this is a way to select them that they are selected from like some type of nominating committee or some type of church vote. It seems like, Hey, you guys, because the, 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 I believe in elder led churches, right? right? 
we have not yet established that. I believe in it wholeheartedly. I do too. I think there's a plurality of elders in Scripture that that's undeniable, and I think that. But even in this case, the apostles gathered everybody together and said, "Pick from among yourselves. Pick from among you seven men." So, so um, what what we look for is people that are already acting like deacons. Um, you're not looking to import them from other churches. You're looking for those. You're raising them up. Certainly, if somebody comes from another church and, and joins, you know, they they transfer their membership or something like that, then by all means, they're they're qual if they're qualified, they're eligible. But you look in in your congregation for for men that are already acting like deacons. They're already serving. They have just this heart that wants to go out and help in any way they can. They're willing to submit to the leadership of the elders that sets kind of the vision for the church. Um, and and th that authority is given to the elders. The the um, teaching and authority uh, uh, ministry is given to the elders. And then they kind of pass on the vision to the deacons who do that work. So you're looking within the congregation for men. At this point in our congregation, it's men that serve as deacons. I am, and we, we've talked about this a little before, I am open to wrestling with 1 Timothy 3, women likewise, that gune word there, wives likewise, women likewise. Um, I, I am willing to work through what it means to have women deacons. Someone may just have turned us off right away. I will wrestle with it and work through it, absolutely, because there's some really... Um, I'm a, I'm a word, word, word guy. I'm not trying to be liberal. I'm not trying to be conservative. I'm not trying to be uh, relevant to today. I'm just trying to be biblical, which is automatically relevant. So I think there's some real things that, that in scripture that allow for women to be deacons in the servant role. Men and women both can, can serve in that role. As far as um, eldership, as far as the presbyteros, the, the appointment, the shepherd, teacher, elder, uh, overseer, I think that's reserved for men, according to First Timothy two. Sorry, I, I rambled. You do. That's yeah. all right. That's yeah, your yeah. straight name. <laughs> so I uh, we uh, we we rotate our guys rotate every three years, and and so every year we we have uh, the church nominates a candidate. Uh, we vet the candidate to meet the biblical requirements uh, as as best we can interpret that uh, for uh, the uh, to be a deacon. Uh, any of those that uh, are nominated that we feel are qualified, uh, that are willing to serve. Cause we ask them, we, you know, if, if they're, if they're willing to serve, um, and those that do, we don't limit the number that say yes. Uh, and we don't look for more if, if, if uh, we need technically need three cause three are rotating off, but only one gets nominated that says yes, that's qualified. Then that's what we end up with. But. So do you guys, do you really wrestle? So one of the things that I, I hope to do with every single meeting we have, every th single thing we do, is to take uh, every thought captive, not me take the thought captive, but the word taking our thoughts captive to obey Christ. And also that we would, you know, kind of give an account for every idle word, meaning that every single thing is to be done to the glory of God, which is everything pertaining to life and godliness and the life and, and, and ministry of the church should reflect our trust in scripture. Do you in this process demonstrate to the people around you an abject trust in God's word and God? So prayer would be a huge part of this. Yeah, I I hope I do. I, I feel like I do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's my goal. When you, when we talked about before, you know, not trusting in yourself, but yeah. And you know, I tell you, it's been a great blessing. And and uh, through this process, I've been here five years. We've um, we have uh, ordained three deacons. 
in in five years, and so that is a wow. tremendous blessing to Amen. be able to see. And each one of those men, I've I've had the privilege of of watching each men of them, uh, each one of those men grow uh, spiritually, which is exciting. Uh, we we do have kind of a I don't know whether you call it an odd rule or, or unique or whatever uh, that the, the candidate ha- does need to, to be 30 years old. That's not my rule. That's an inherited rule. And uh, I presumably that comes from, you know, Jesus was 30 before his officially his ministry began, we estimate. Uh, and, and so uh, that that was something that this church held to before I came. And um but at any rate, uh, that's kind of our process. So, but let's get into the text unless you have something you want to add or uh, to smite somebody or whatever. Or what? Or smite? to smite somebody. To or, smite? Or, yeah. yeah. No, we're good. So, all right. All right where are we going to go? Start at the beginning. Um, what, what does it mean here when it says a, a complaint by the Hellenist arose against the Hebrews? I mean, I think that's pretty self-explanatory that, that there were a group of people that were being neglected, um, and and likely these were Greek-speaking Hebrews. The Hellenistic, uh, the Hellenists were, um, and so these widows were being neglected from the distribution of food. This this uh, benevolent ministry they were being neglected, and so there there's a problem. Hey, you're neglecting our people. You're you're not. We're not taking care of certain people, and you get this as a pastor in a church. This is incessant. This person's being neglected. That person's upset. I mean, regularly I'll get to go to you know go to preach, and you're you're kind of preparing your heart and your mind, your soul even to go and to preach. And uh, somebody will come up and say, "Hey, so and so left the church, or so and so's upset with you, or so and so said this, or you know this is going on in the in in the choir, the praise band, the the sound room, the you know the this is going on um, with your family, somebody else's family. It's just it it's incessant, and there's always a complaint. And <clears throat> so, uh, you want to start there? There, it's, yeah. Okay, let's just start there. Well, one of the things that we talk about regularly on this podcast is everybody thinks they're right. Yeah, right. And we already have today. We already have today. And so when something comes before you, you have to test what is right and wrong versus scripture against scripture. Scripture is always right. If it, you know, understood correctly in context, that's where you want to be. So, but everybody has their particular verses or their point of view or their perspective or their family or their teammates. And I call them teammates almost facetiously. We go get teammates. We complain to certain people and we get them on our team and then we, we come as a team to complain or at the very least I can reference, Hey, you know, I'm really upset about this. Uh, and, and Sammy and Juan are on my team, you know? And, and so I'm complaining to you, Russ, about some problem I have and I'm naming names of people that agree with me in this whole deal or deal. So there is a problem. They're being neglected. So it seems that the disciples, they could have said, you know, go figure this out on your own. Um, they could have said, this is not a real problem. It doesn't rise to the level of a problem. That's not what they did, right? So, um, and maybe maybe we take this as an aside as well. So at Pentecost, and we don't know that all stayed or all, because it's, they were traveling people at Pentecost, but it seems that there were 3,000 people saved, hearkening back to when 3,000 died at the foot of Sinai. So 3,000 died for rebellion at Sinai, 3,000 were saved uh, at Pentecost, right? And then in some way, shape, or form, um, in Acts 4.4, but many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. 
So I don't know if it rose to the level of 5,000 or likely 5,000 more came. And is that men or men, women, children? It doesn't. So again, there's some, there's a little bit of, in my mind, ambiguity about how many people and when they were saved and how they were saved and who stuck, stuck around and who, what was a part of this body. But it was a massive body of believers. A lot of people. A lot of people. And so now you have a problem in the church. How do you handle it? And also when it is handled, why only seven? Was it seven for this particular task? Or should maybe churches today go, maybe churches today should understand that the role of the deacon is not to do every single little thing in the entire church. And if something's wrong in your church, it's not necessarily the elders or the deacon's fault. We are a body of believers. And according to Ephesians 4, we are all to do the work of the ministry. That's right. And when we're when we're working properly, we're knit together in love, we're we're growing and building ourselves up, right? So sometimes I think we just blame deacon. We blame people in positions of, of leadership, which is not necessarily wrong, but to, but then we hold them accountable to do that, which the Bible never calls us to do. So this massive body. All right. So, so, so let's get back to, uh, you said we're going to start at the beginning. So, uh, the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because the widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. It seems like this may be an accusation of xenophobia. Like, like a fear or judgment of other cultures. Hmm. So, right, because that's the dividing line here. The Hellenists were being neglected, right. and they're complaining to the other Hebrews. Absolutely. Okay. Well, the the solution. I always have said this about racism. Um, if we just, I, I find racism disgusting and despicable, in every in every form. Now, I think. It has come to be a meaningless word. Racism is a meaningless word because everything gets attributed to racism. And if everything's racism, then nothing's racist. It's just, it's a, it's a, I mean, if everything's racism, there's no power in the word anymore. Right. You know, you just can't toss it around. But, but I said this, if you just start treating racism alone, it becomes palliative care. It, it's, it's treating a, a dying entity. So, so within the church, we'll just use the church as an example. If you just focus on racism, you'll never come up with the right solution. Never. Cause the solution to racism is Jesus Christ. Yeah. You'll never come up with the right solution. You'll always be piddling around with race. Right. And then the second one, it's palliative care. Cause that's not the source of the problem. Racism is a manifestation of sin. It's not the, the source. The source of every problem is sin. And the solution to every sin is repentance and trusting in Jesus. So you miss the you miss the problem. You're just treating a symptom of it. And you miss the solution. And you're treating it with all sorts of phony, fake, unhelpful anic, uh, antidotes, not anecdotes. That'd be even funnier. Hey, I got a story to tell you. <laughs> so so anyways, um, so, so what do they do? They say, hey, listen, let's preach Christ and feed the widows. We're not getting sidetracked on on the mission. We're not getting sidetracked in this xenophobia, if it is that. We're not getting sidetracked in racism. Mm -hmm. We're they, focused. They kept the main thing, the main thing. The main thing is the main thing, which is what? The word of, God, word of God and prayer. Mm -hmm. The word of God and prayer. Man, if we could get that through our thick heads, the word of God and prayer, the word of God and prayer. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't address things that come up in life, but man, if your ministry is just all about addressing the next thing that's on the news, you're going to miss the point. All right. Yeah, yeah we got to stop being firemen, constantly putting out the fires, and start attending to the main thing. Can I can I maybe reclaim that illustration? Sure. You want to reclaim it or uh, it? I, I want to repair it. Repair it. That sounds better than reclaim. Okay. Because I was naming it and claiming it. You can't reclaim it. 
Oh, yeah, I can. That means your money. The wicked are storing up my money. Isn't that what Yeah, Proverbs tells us? So anyways, uh, when I was younger, we were, we always drove kind of garbagey cars. And uh, and we had this motorhome that was a little rough. Actually, it was one of the nicer cars, to be, to be honest with you. But there was a short, and it caught on fire. So uh, my stepdad went through the first can of, of fire extinguisher and he was, you know, spraying it at the source. And it, I don't know what happened if, it, you know, um, but, but he had one more fire extinguisher left and this guy came up to him and we're on the middle of a highway and he goes, I, I'm the fire chief. Give me the fire can. So, so my stepdad handed him the fire extinguisher and the, this quote unquote now, uh, apparently, obviously drunk, not probably most likely not at all fire chief, likely a drunk wanderer, a uh, homeless man, starts shooting the fi- the extinguisher at the top of the fire. Hmm. Instead of the source. And there was an there was an eight foot, ten foot flame. It was above the motorhome from the engine. Over the top of the motorhome. Ten I mean it could have been more than that. It was just this huge pillar of fire by night. <laughs> <laughs> leading this man. <laughs> so anyways, he's spraying it at the top of the fire. Now, how effective is that going to be? Pretty limited. It didn't do a thing. Right. And so if we keep spraying it at these, these manifestations of sin in the church, and not that you don't handle them, but the source is the heart. And the heart, as a repentant heart in Christ is the solution. Stop, you know, like you said, chasing around the fires. We should be putting out the fires, but but get to the source. And and how do you, how do you put out the fire? T- rip out that heart of stone that's causing the problems and replace it with a heart of flesh in Christ. And then have that person in a discipleship class where they are learning according to Scripture to how to, t- to take those thoughts captive. A lot of counselors that I know fall into the trap, and I've been guilty of this of of treating the fruit rather than attacking the root of yeah. the problem. Yeah. And that's what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Way to sum it up. Thank you. Way to go. I have moments. Attaboy. All right. Uh, In the 12, some of the full number of the disciples. Okay, so there is action. I'm really big on this. And this, you know, again, sometimes I worry about me putting my solutions out there and then trying to find the Bible to support it. But I think this is what, like, we are people of action. And, and so when we have meetings, a lot of times, and I've found this, you, you'll have meetings and, and people have accused me of this at times, you'll have meetings and nothing ever changes, nothing ever changes, nothing ever changes. So they bring a problem up and they go, oh, let's talk about it. You know, these, these Hellenists, these widows, they're being neglected. Oh, let's talk about it. Let's come up with the next committee. Let's, well, the disciples say, uh-uh. We're having a deacon's meeting tonight. Yeah. That sounds very common. Very common. Very, very <laughs> common. So now I try to say, okay, give me three actionable things. Before we leave this meeting with this problem that's in front of us, let's talk about actionable things that we can do to, today or tomorrow or this week. We're going to do these these specific and actionable things. And um, so uh, the 12 summoned the full number of disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching of the word of God to serve tables. Anything you want to say about that? No, I, I just love the keeping the main thing the main thing and, and then – you know the fact that uh, it it pleased the uh, the disciples was good, and they chose some good godly men. Um, and, and, you know, I, I love verse seven. We didn't read verse seven, but oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I love that what the apparent result was is that uh, there was a bit of a revival. Absolutely, things handled well, even discipline, and they all stood in fear, and there was a revival. Things done according to God's word, God blesses, you know, 
what is it? God's mission done God's way will never lack God's resources. He blesses it. So we just, fruitfulness is a work of God and not that we're unconcerned by it. You know, some people say, I don't worry at all about the fruit. We we need to be worried about fruitfulness. Jesus reminds us that by bearing much fruit, we'll glorify God. So we need to be, but but that is ultimately a work of God, the fruit. We, We are to be faithful. And so just to be faithful like this is beautiful. And, and so uh, let's fly through this because we're kind of running out of time. In the 12, some of the full number of the disciples and said it is not right that we should. So like you said, that's about priorities. The word of God and prayer, priorities. So church, if you're listening to me, not my church, uh, this is not a, this is not a, uh, it's not a solicitation for, for the congregation uh, that I serve. And I serve the congregation at the behest of God. Uh, you know, it, we, ordained by God, I serve the congregation. But allow your pastors to do the right work of the word, rightly dividing the word of truth, that, that worker that has no need to be ashamed, and prayer. Set that, guard that time for your pastor. Yeah. And, and again, that's probably one of the greatest weaknesses in my ministry is time management, and among them is making sure that I get that time set aside to prepare well, to, to uh, rightly divide the word of truth. So the main things, it's priorities. Uh, church, get that figured out. You know, a, a real quick one pastor walked in and just laid his resignation on the, the, the table, of, you know, and left it for the church. Chairman of the deacons went in and begged him to stay. The church was growing. Everything was thriving. And he just said, listen, I'm not a plumber. I, I, don't, I don't fix roofs. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm doing all of those things in this small church. I'm doing all of those things in this small church. I, I'm a minister of the word of God. And not that we should not have a servant's heart. We, we should be willing to do everything. But priorities, priorities. It's all about priorities. These men recognized that serving these widows was a good thing. It just wasn't the best thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, therefore, the brothers picked out for seven men of good repute. Um, we we typically now in many, 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 many churches, I'm going to use we as, as in, in churches, pick out men not so great a reputation, can't handle the word of truth. So so if you have a person show up uh, for a hot dog ministry at your church repeatedly over and over and over again, suddenly he's a deacon and he can't tell you word one about God's word. Right. That's, That's not, not... Can't articulate the gospel. Maybe the gospel, but has no idea why, because he doesn't know the whole counsel of God. Yeah. He's not familiar with it. Like I, very few churches that I know of anymore have like a questionnaire. That's not true. There are several, but have a questionnaire. Okay, if you want to be a deacon, you got to be familiar with the word. You got to hold the mysteries of the faith in good conscience. This is not just hey, we're begging somebody to take over. We, uh, the whole church should be doing service. Th- this is a specific and particular calling, mm-hmm. and there are qualifications. So you know, if you even if you say this is not about this Act Six is not about the establishment of the diaconate, you still have to deal with the qualifications in First Timothy three. All right, um, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word, um, and and they it pleased the whole gather, gathering and they did it. Um, picked out seven men. We we want to, you to know that this is a is an historic an historical account. So names are given. I don't even know that necessarily it's really important. Some of these names pop back up, but necessarily it's really important to each of these names. But this is not just, again, a clever anecdote. This is a historical fact. This took place. Details in scripture are there for a reason. Absolutely. Um, uh, And praying and laid their hands on them, man. I was just convicted recently of my of my lack of prayer in a very serious situation. Um, I think the health of a church can be de- 
can be assessed at times by just looking at your prayer life. Mm. Yeah, that's good. And problems arise. Are you praying first? Or are you fixing them and you're not going to fix them like that? Are you praying first? Or even simultaneously as to putting out a literal fire, are you praying? Are you praying? Are you praying? And are you teaching? Preaching, teaching, prayer, those are the tools we have as elders. All right. And the Word of God continued to increase. Praise God. Well, listener, thanks for uh, joining us today. Uh, we hope to catch up back, back up with you tomorrow for the Thursday edition of Let's Open the Bible. Until we see you tomorrow, continue to open your Bible and wrestle with God's Word. Be blessed until we see you then. Bye-bye. Thank you.